I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. War in Europe. The sirens of war are blaring loud across Ukraine. This is the live scene in Kyiv as Ukrainians wonder what the night will bring and the EU warns we are in the greatest crisis since World War II. Tonight, EU leaders vowed tough sanctions in response. We support a democratically elected government of Ukraine and will continue to do so. Throughout the show, we will take you across the continent to explain why this invasion is happening and how it could affect you. Get in touch on Twitter with your comments and questions on hashtag TonightVMTV. months the world has been left in the dark wondering what Vladimir Putin will do with his troops on the border with Ukraine. They're wondering no longer. Ukrainians woke up this morning to a picture of hell as bombs fell from the sky and tanks rumbled across the border from three sides of the country. Europe is now in the midst of its greatest crisis in decades, struggling to work out what it can do to stop the Russian army's march. There were words of condemnation, sure, but words were not enough to comfort the millions of Ukrainians now wondering what will happen to their country. The country's president gave a chilling nod to history, warning that we're seeing a new Iron Curtain fall across the region. Chernobyl, a place that already had its name etched into infamy, is now in the hands of the Russians, according to officials. Earlier, President Zelensky said, quote, our defenders are sacrificing their lives so that the tragedy of 1986 will not be repeated. Well, EU leaders are in Brussels to try and work out what response they can give to Russia's invasion. The Taoiseach spoke to the media ahead of that meeting. We support a democratically elected government of Ukraine and will continue to do so. Uh, we are a liberal democracy that fundamentally believes in the uh, fundamental principles of the United Nations Charter, uh, which have been violated by Re Russia um, in this situation. We believe in peaceful resolution of disputes. Uh, we think of the Ukrainian people in the line of fire. We think of the young people who will die because of this Russian aggression unnecessarily. And in no way is this uh, justifiable. Well, let's go live now to Brussels. And Euronews Europe correspondent Shona Murray joins me live. Uh, thanks for joining us on the programme tonight, Shona. Uh, bring us up to date about what's being decided there tonight. We're still awaiting that decision on fresh EU sanctions, aren't we? 
Well, I think politically speaking, the sanctions will be agreed. Um, we've seen a draft of the conclusion so far, and it really tallies up with what we've heard and reported on all day, that there will be wide-ranging sanctions targeting the financial sector, the energy and transport sector, limitations on visas for diplomats coming into the EU. Um, there's discussion, of course, about the SWIFT banking system. That's been more than likely left off the sanction list for now, as has uh, a deliberation which happened earlier about putting Vladimir Putin and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov on the uh, sanctions list as well. The reason for that being that they want to keep some sort of diplomatic channels open if possible. So that's probably what we'll see. There is stronger unity than, let's say, earlier this morning. I mean, there have been fears all week about this big bang level of sanctions. Remember, this is the big package of sanctions that have been uh, technically worked on for several months now. And several member states were worried about the impact that this sanction would, these sanctions would have on their economies, in particular Italy, which takes 40% of its gas from Russia, which wanted to carve out for things like the luxury goods sector because, you know, Prada and Milano and all those big uh, luxury goods are bought uh, by Russian oligarchs. Um, so there's been a bit of kind of concern around EU unity, but I think tonight you will have a unified, strong response condemning Russia for an illegal, unjustified and unprovoked war. And we heard from Neil Martin was, of course, uh, that uh, Ireland will stay in lockstep will, with as strong as possible sanctions. And Shona, aside from the sanctions that we're hearing about, are we likely to see more done to support Ukrainians and to deal with this growing humanitarian situation in the country? Yeah, that's been planned for some time now. Obviously, that will have to be activated. That is that refugees coming straight across the border from Ukraine into Poland will start, is already starting. And Neil Martin announced uh, 8 million euro uh, for humanitarian efforts. There was already 1.2 billion euro from the EU announced last week. So that will also be ongoing. And um, from a NATO perspective, we heard today from Jens Stoltenberg, the general secretary there, who said that NATO will continue to provide more military hardware for Ukraine under fire, but again stating that they won't be engaging from a conflict or combat position. So no NATO troops in Ukraine, but continuing to protect NATO borders. Should there be any sort of skirmish or anything that happens uh, within this conflict? I mean, uh, we know that, for example, Russian troops are in Belarus, which is very close to border. If something happens where Poland was inadvertently attacked, then you have a NATO country. So the issue of Article 5, an attack on one is an attack on us all. That's very much, you know, the top of the minds of people here. And there's a real fear that, of course, this situation could escalate. You're dealing with uh, Vladimir Putin, uh, Russia, which has nuclear arms, and that hasn't escaped anybody either today. Okay, Shona Murray, your news, Europe correspondent, joining us live from Brussels tonight. Thank you for the update from there. Well, let's get some sense of the palpable sense of fear this evening inside Ukraine. Earlier, CNN's Clarissa Ward spoke to some residents sheltering in an underground metro station in the city of Kharkiv. We um, uh, came. Uh two parents of my husband mm -hmm. and after uh, we came here and what will you do now will you stay here tonight yes i think yes yes do you have food do you have everything you need this Some, is what you have yes and water <laughs> that's all you seem remarkably strong given how scary the situation is we we try to uh, be um, brave because we have children and we don't uh, want to um, show them that we are scared. What do you think? Why would President Putin do this? Do you understand? 
I think uh, he uh, don't want uh, our president uh, be in, uh, in uh, be our president. He doesn't want President Zelensky to yes, be in power. Yes, yes, I think. Uh, Did you ever believe that this could happen? No, no, no. It's it's impossible. I don't believe now that this happened with us. Well, the international community has by and large condemned Russia's actions. Among the most forceful is the United States. Earlier, Joe Biden spoke to the nation from the White House. This aggression cannot go unanswered. If it did, the consequences for America would be much worse. America stands up to bullies. We stand up for freedom. Some of the most powerful impacts our actions will come over time. As we squeeze Russians' access to finances and technology, for strategic sectors of its economy and degrade its industrial capacity for years to come. A lot of the money Russia has overseas is sitting in London. Today, the UK has tried to rectify that, upping the package of sanctions that it's imposing against Russia. Boris Johnson had some strong words for Vladimir Putin. For this, Putin will stand condemned in the eyes of the world and of history. He will never be able to cleanse the blood of Ukraine from his hands. Well, let's bring in our panel. I'm joined by Jared Howland, a columnist and former political advisor, Kevin Doyle, political editor at independent.ie, independent MEP Luke Ming Flanagan, and Hildegard Nocton, Professor, uh, Minister of State at the Department of Transport. You're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. I was struck by the woman who was talking uh, to CNN's Clarissa Ward in that clip we played earlier, saying how taken when she said, are you surprised by this? And it, you know, she laughed really at the, at the shock of this happening. Essentially, di did people see this coming? Was there a sense, certainly in government, Hildegard, that this could happen? I think we all realised there was the potential for this to happen and that's why there was a, a really determined effort around uh, diplomatic channels to try and stave off what we've seen today and I think those dramatic scenes in the Ukraine where you see families leaving their homes, bundling children into cars with their uh, teddies and toys, it has really brought it home to us all and I know the many Ukrainian citizens living here in Ireland, 4,000 watching at home and worried for their families. Um, so I think we all really stand in, in huge solidarity with the people of Ukraine and as you know the EU um, Emergency Council meeting is meeting tonight to put in place further sanctions and I think it's really important that the EU makes a real stand here now uh, in relation to what is an unprecedented and I think a brutal attack on the Ukrainian people. Um, and we know in, in the case of those EU sanctions, we had the first tranche of them an announced and uh, Ming, the idea was that this was going to be a staggered approach. They were going to start off with some sanctions uh, that weren't maybe as cutting, but that this fresh batch would really uh, hit home with the Russians. Are you in favour of the way this is all moving? I certainly am. And I think, uh, I think most people have been taken by surprise because I think people try to apply logic to this situation and the logic would be, what the hell would he do it for? What benefit would he get out of it? But to me, at this stage, I think there is no logic behind it. I just think it's driven by one man's madness at this stage. And I think people are surprised because if we weren't, if, 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 if we saw this coming, 
we would have done something earlier. The sanctions would have kicked in earlier. We wouldn't have let ourselves become so dependent. This has been going on for years now. So dependent on them for gas. So dependent on them for grain. Mm -hmm. And what isn't being mentioned is we're also dependent on them for fertiliser to grow our crops. So to do something immediately, whatever effect it has, hopefully it has some effect. I would like to see them removed from the SWIFT system. I mean, I'm hearing over the last week, why didn't you vote for this resolution? Why didn't you vote for that resolution? Because in the European Parliament, these resolutions aren't worth the paper they're written on. I want to ask you about on. that. You did mention that SWIFT payment yeah. system. So let's just talk about this resolution that, that you voted against back yes. in the European Parliament in December of last year. So just about two months ago. Um, and this is what the, the resolution was calling for. Condemning the large Russian military build-up near Ukraine, agreed that Russia does not decide Ukraine's future and that sanctions against Russia should include a suspension from the SWIFT payment system. But you voted against that. Yeah, because I did not think that they were sincere in the European Parliament, the people who proposed it. You're an MEP. Well, let, let me finish. The same people who proposed it turn a blind eye to what happens in Yemen. The same people who proposed it turned a blind eye to the violence that took place against the people of Catalonia. So to have credibility, the European Union has to be consistent. And now that this has happened, I think we should immediately remove them from the SWIFT system, a position that differs from what I've heard Mairead McGuinness say. We should do this now, because if we don't do it now, they're not going to take us seriously. So what you this is the chance to do yeah. it. OK, so what you, when that resolution, and you know, there, was many other, there were many other lines in that resolution that you also voted against was made, you think it was, it was disingenuous? then, but it's something that you've been calling for for a very long time. Well, I think they were disingenuous about the way they approached it. I didn't think they were serious. Germany were still going on uh, talking about Nord Stream 2. We have a situation in Ireland where mm. we're condemning them, even though during a period when they had already occupied Crimea, we still took tens of billions of euros um, through shell companies, through opaque financial instruments, and we still took them in. So we can talk here today about did we take it seriously enough? Did we do enough? But now we are mm. where we are now. Okay. And what I'm saying what we should do now is we should remove them from the SWIFT system. Okay. That's what we should All do. Right. We no. should also deny them the right okay. to borrow money on the international markets. And I have to say, Boris Johnson is right, all right. But can you really take him seriously? To me, he's like a child who was told tidy his room two weeks ago and now he's in it saying, right. don't come in until I have it tidied up. All right. He cannot be our moral guardian in this world because if he is, well, we're in even more trouble. OK, Gerard, uh, on that, um, I mean, look, the resolution actually that we we're talking about that was you know the EU Parliament did vote vote in in favour of I think it was 69 548 in favour but it was a it was a prelude to all what to, to obviously what has happened mm. um, now in in recent days but at the nub of that was you know uh, to condemn this military build-up and to impose strict sanctions do you think what is being done and what is being proposed now and will help in some way halt this invasion? Because, to be honest, diplomatic moves to date have not worked a whit. No, the sanctions were not uh, in any way in impact on the invasion that is in progress. Uh, President Putin has made his calculation. He has gone in. We do not know how far he intends to go, how long he intends to stay, and what 
the reaction will be on the ground in the territory he occupies. The sanctions will have effect over time. They are critically important morally and economically. The bottom line, Claire, is President Putin is keeping the lights on in this studio tonight. Uh, we may not have Russian gas in this country, but the gas supply that comes through Europe is, is the backstop in terms of European energy. And if it is cut, there will be a massive cost for Europe in terms of price, in terms of supply. And we have to realise that these sanctions are not moral principles, though they are certainly that. Mm -hmm. They are major commitments that we will feel here and in other European countries that we're willing to take on board as a sacrifice to make in solidarity with Ukraine, because this is about a whole way of life. It is a challenge to a Western liberal way of life that which, if it passes now, as it did in the 1930s, there will be subsequently unstoppable and horrible consequences. Okay. Um, on this, um, and I mentioned there about diplomatic efforts, and we know that Simon Coveney brought the, the Russian ambassador in for a meeting last night where um, I think he was uh, assuring uh, Minister Coveney that, you know, all was good, all was calm, and nothing to worry about here. Of course, it, it didn't work out that way. There are calls for the ambassador to be expelled. Do you think those, those calls will grow further tonight following this, this meeting of EU leaders, or where that may go from here? I think they will. They'll certainly grow and I think we will end up there at some point. It, it's quite clear from what's happening in Brussels tonight that they are trying to stagger uh, things as in uh, throw a right hook and then throw a left hook. But I, I mean, the ambassador was summoned in last night, got his dressing down as is described and tonight he's putting out statements kind of going, well, the media have it all wrong. What you're seeing on the television is all wrong. Um, we're actually just sorting out a few local affairs and we'll keep you updated we'll tell you we'll keep you updated on developments i think is how the statement ends so it, it's almost jokey in the way that it's like don't be worrying about it You're, you've all got the wrong end of the of stick of course so. that could be information that he's receiving well, we, the first, we don't the, know that. The first victim of war is the truth very often and i think there's a lot of misinformation coming from there and i think the, the narrative from Russia, I mean, the misinformation has been going on for weeks, years, arguably. So I think I actually agree with Ming on the SWIFT thing, which viewers mightn't understand, but it's basically a banking payment system to funnel money all around the world and billions going through it every day. I, I feel like what's happening in Brussels tonight is, like, if you're fighting tanks with sanctions, you really have to throw everything at them. Yeah. Because not putting the likes of Putin, leaving him off it because, well, maybe he'll come to the table and sit down with us. You can't sit down with that guy genuinely. I suppose the argument is if you unleash all your sanctions, the SWIFT payments system may be the, the next step, that this is the way they're but playing what, it. Well, which what's the measure? How many bodies are you going to allow pile up? How far into Kiev does he have to go before you make that decision? There's, there's a game of cat and mouse going on with it, I think. Yeah, Hildegard, on that, I mean, there, there is a point to be made there. If, if, if you know, we're stopping, sh we're stopping short on... On, on sanctions now when we see what's happening in Ukraine today, tonight, and where, you know, what we're going to see over the coming days, weeks, months. Uh, wh why are we limiting ourselves at this point? Well, we're not, and I think the EU have acted already in relation to the first set of, of sanctions and the emergency meeting tonight is going to um, deliver even further sanctions and they will be the most severe sanctions that have ever been um, I suppose um, laid out by the by by the EU um, and I think it's important I, I think it's very important that um, we act 
uh, not unilaterally react as, as an EU um, I suppose, group here. And it's important that, uh, yes, I, I agree what Jared said, we, we don't know if this is going to I suppose, have an impact. We have to be honest about that. Mm. But we have to acknowledge that we have to stand in solidarity with a sovereign country. This is a gross um, breach of international yes. law. And, and, as, and as Ursula van der Leyen says, what Putin is doing here is bringing uh, war back in, into Europe for the first time in decades. And it needs a strong response. And I believe it will come from our EU leaders who and are meeting you, as we it speak, is. who it are will meeting be, it as will we be strong speak enough. in um, Ning, you want to come yeah, in? Look, you, you correctly criticise me over the resolution. But in the resolution, which was voted on by Fine Gael MEPs, was to take them out of the SWIFT system. So you voted for that. Um, Looking back, and it's an absolutely yeah, and it was a damn and good idea, and I you was wrong. You and guess I'm what? You, say you should wrong. get them to pull glad. out of the SWIFT system because you actually voted for it, it's and you table. agree with it. It's so why not table. make it happen? And one final thing: you're, you're not no in that one, meeting no one tonight, definitely me. seen this coming. When you had someone like Viktor Orban, who is in bed with Putin and one of his buddies, but was also mm -hmm. in the same political group as Fine Gael up until two years ago. So everyone has been taken unawares. But what we've got you to can, do now is what we've got to do now this. is look for solutions, not look back and to blame people because you cannot solve anything not, by blaming the past. I'm, you've I'm, got to do I'm something blaming, now. I'm not well blaming take them out of the SWIFT system then. If you're serious about that, take them out of the SWIFT system. I just want to bring in the voice of Ukrainians on this tonight because here in Ireland it is a devastating time for the Ukrainian community as they watch their country being invaded by their neighbour. Earlier, a protest took place uh, in Dublin. Here's some of what that community uh, had to say to us. Uh, all my heart and um, all my mind uh, with my family, with my uh, people, with my beautiful Ukraine. Ukraine will, will be strong and we will be, I'm pretty sure people will be fighting because Putin doesn't know where he's getting into, you know, he, he, that's the end of the Putin. We all woke up to the most horrible like morning in our lives and uh, uh, we are trying to understand and figure out how can we help and where the family is because there is no such notion as safe anymore in the countries. I hope that they will go away from our country right now, take their troops, take their everything that they want and go away. And this is also the situation here is that the growing humanitarian crisis and efforts there. Now we know, Kevin, that the Department of Justice did fast track that visa waiver scheme but it took up until now to do it and we know the pressure on families to get out of that country if they can. Yeah, it, it's funny because we've all become experts in geopolitics in the last 48 hours. Two weeks ago, we were epidemiologists. But the actual one thing we can understand is the human side of all of this and seeing the kids, seeing the families desperate to get out of Ukraine. And it's great that the government have done that and are giving people a chance to get their families uh, to safety here. But if they did it yesterday, they might have got a flight. Doing it today, they now have to take to the roads. So the message yesterday, the, the diplomats, the Irish embassy in the Ukraine actually sent Irish people there saying, leave immediately, get out now, don't delay. Um, today they were telling people to stay put, to, to get to somewhere safe wherever they are within the Ukraine. So providing the visa waiver at the point where you're now telling people not to leave 
it's a little late, I think. I feel if they were really saw the way this was going, it probably should have happened a few days ago. Jared? In terms of the humanitarian crisis, our focus is naturally on Ukrainian people. We should also be mindful of small numbers of extremely brave Russians who are protesting tonight in Moscow and across, and across Russia. Their safety is in peril. Mm -hmm. And we are now back in an era where Russian dissidents will need sanctuary. And we have to be open to that in Ireland and across Europe as well. Yeah, it's important, isn't it? I, you know, with all these increasing sanctions and the impact that that is going to have on everyone, um, that, that then we look at then our response from a humanitarian point of view as well, Hildegard. Do you think that um, the government is equipped and prepared to do that when we saw the delay in the visa waiver scheme? in getting Ukrainians reunited with loved ones over here. Just to say in relation to the, the, the visa waiver, uh, two diplomats who are, I suppose the, the embassy is no longer open. They are now um, seeking shelter themselves. And I want to commend the work that they have done. And they were working with um, Ukrainians on the ground in relation to uh, getting uh, we, visa waivers. And I know seven out of the eight applicants that, um, that approached the embassy over the last number of days were granted that. And mm. also to say just on that, it's important that Minister Helen McEntee and Minister Simon Coveney uh, met today. And I know that a visa waiver is imminent in relation to that. And to say that we will not be found wanting in relation to a humanitarian response. I think the, the, the clip you raised there earlier around Ukrainians and the anxiety around that, which is what we should be talking about, not politicising it here tonight. May right. I add, that's not what we should be doing. And that's where our, our concern will be. Can we leave be. it there it, it will be, it will, I will. Uh, we will leave it, uh, we will ensure that we are supporting supporting the, the Ukrainians in every way we can and we will not be found wanting but we'll do it on an EU level as well. All right we're going to have to take a break now we have much more on this escalating crisis in Eastern Europe uh, stay with us. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Vladimir Putin justified the invasion of Ukraine in stark terms, warning that anyone who stood in his way would be hit with an unparalleled response. Well, I've been speaking to Moscow correspondent Stuart Smith. I began by asking him what President Putin has said to the Russian public. 
Yes, in a really early morning address to the nation, the president at 5 a.m. laid out his motivations. He said that this is going to be characterized as a special operation in Ukraine. Euphemistic words, but in his, uh, in his speech, he said that what it was was an attempt to protect these newly declared independent separatist regions, which Russia now recognizes as separate from Ukraine. It's to protect them from Ukrainian aggression. And later in the day, the president's spokesperson went even further that he suggested that this is also about dealing with Russia's national security and trying to uh, tackle what he described as neo-Nazis in the Kiev government. Later uh, on, the, later in the day, it then transpired after the Russian invasion was well underway. The president's spokesperson went further to say that Ukraine now has a choice, an ultimatum, in a sense that negotiations can continue. But first, Ukraine would need to recognize Crimea as part of Russia. That all uh, Western weaponry, which has been placed on Ukrainian territory, would have to be removed, and that uh, that Ukraine must withdraw this desire to join the NATO military alliance. So that is what Ukraine is working with, but there's been no sign of any such intention to agree to these demands, which have been on the table uh, and st d uh, talked about after so many months between the US, NATO and Ukraine. It's, there's no sign yet that these are the kind of things Ukraine is willing to discuss, having cut off diplomatic relations with Russia earlier in the day. And Stuart, you're in Moscow. What's the sentiment among the, the Russian public? What's their feeling around this? Are they, are they happy this is happening? Um, were they expecting it? In terms of polling, there are people that around half of the Russian population, according to independent polls, were pleased that Russia recognized the independence of these separatist territories. But at the time, a few days ago, when I spoke to people and tried to get a sense of the mood on social media, people were still not expecting war. And why would they? The Russian government had said time and time again, Russia is not a country that instigates war. It wants peace and it wants to do everything diplomatically. But then here we are. And in response to that, in over 50 cities here, in Russia. Uh, there have been protests uh, this evening, Moscow time, and people in these cities going, uh, doing a very risky thing. It is illegal to protest in Russia. They almost certainly will be detained and put into jail for days, if not weeks. And they broke an explicit warning uh, published on state television not to attend protests. So far, there have been thousands of people detained, according to an independent uh, police monitoring uh, NGO here in Russia. They are annoyed not just with war, the fact that Russia is doing something they believe is unethical, but also the economic impact this will bring to Russia and ordinary people will be huge. Food prices are already rising incredibly quickly, and this is only going to make things uh, harder, even though sanctions are targeted at oligarchs, at friends of the president. The impact will be felt right across the Russian economy. Okay, Stuart Smith, our correspondent in Moscow, thank you for joining us tonight. Let's bring in our panel. I'm joined by Jared Howlin, columnist and former political advisor. Kevin Doyle, group head of news at independent.ie. Independent MEP Luke Ming Flanagan and Hildegard Nocton, Minister of State at the Department of Transport. Um, just to you, Ming, on this and what we're hearing about you know, Putin's reasoning behind this invasion. And, you know, him, he, he, he's telling the Russian public that what he wants is for Ukraine to withdraw its desire um, to join NATO. Do you think that's what's really at play here? Or is it this growing independent country which wants EU membership and all that will bring that's really irking him? 
Well, uh, I think uh, basically he wants to have his way and get to do absolutely anything that he wants. And I don't think he gives a damn what anyone else says. And that's why I think the only way to hit him is hit them in the pocket. Because if you don't, uh, what other levers do we have? But, uh, like, uh, no one no one can defend uh, Vladimir Putin. He is uh, quite clearly uh, a scumbag. And uh, from the point of view of his excuses and his reasoning for do it, doing it, well, to say two and two is five would make a lot more sense and you'd be able to see, see through it quicker. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe this idea that he's trying to defend anyone uh, against uh, Ukrainian assault. I think it's basically all about him and all about power. And uh, it's not even scarcely believable. OK, what, what you know, we're hearing is, you know, that this is, you know, um, somebody who has been in a pandemic on his own, too much time on his own with his advisors, you know, painting Putin as the madman here. Do you think he is the madman or this is a very calculated move? He's known exactly what he wants to do and he's waited for just the right time to do it. No, he's not a madman at all. This is very calculated. But he has been an autocrat for 20 years. Uh, he no longer has any equals. It's not clear there's anyone in his circle who's prepared to face him down. I personally would not like to be charged with bringing him bad news. The bigger issue, Claire, I think this is a culture war. And this goes to the heart of the security threat that Ukraine poses to Russia, Putin's Russia. The security threat is a democratic Ukraine with a different system, nearly 30 years after its separation from the then USSR, is a profoundly different place. There's an entire generation in Ukraine who grew up outside of, of the Russian system as it was. They cannot be subjugated again. Ukraine is an imperfect place. It has oligarchs, it has a lot of problems, but it is maturing, it is profoundly different. And the nature of that threat is absolutely fundamental to Putin. This is a man with no retirement plan. This is a man with nowhere to go. And he knows that if a democracy takes roots in Ukraine, it is an ongoing problem for him. And also in terms of Russian territory, if you go back to the 17th century, the foundation of the Russian Empire was Ukraine. Russia cannot be an empire without Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And there is that overlie of history as well. But this fundamentally is a culture war. Okay, uh, Hildegard, but, um, before we talk about, I suppose, the, the economic fallout here and how it'll hit people in their pockets, I want to ask about, and it's something that Ming has raised and it has been brought up around the SWIFT payment system and raised in the doll as well, about the fact that Russian shell companies are operating out of Ireland, they're based out of the IFSC, and we know that for more than a decade, I think from 2005 until 2017, according to a report, they've been funneling more than 118 billion euro from Ireland to Russia. Is that being ignored by us? Uh, no, and I think a part of the, the sanctions today, and not just from an Irish point of view, but from an EU point of view, will be around financial sanctions uh, as a result of their actions today. And this, this is, again, as what I said earlier, it's about it's ensuring about that, EU, that the EU stands in solidarity uh, with Ukraine, who is a sovereign nation, uh, who are so that at impact, the heart of Europe. Will that impact on these Russian shell companies, as well, far as you know? Any, anything to do with any kind of financial um, sanctions, the IFSC and Ireland will play 
play its role and we even today government departments are meeting in relation to um, it's, uh, rolling out these sanctions and preparing for the um, I suppose the extension of these sanctions as a result of the meeting in Brussels tonight from EU leaders. So we're likely to see an impact on Russian money in this country? Well, there will be there have been financial sanctions and there will be an extension of that as well as a result of the leaders meeting today and foreign ministers as well meeting in Brussels. Simon Coveney's meeting with his counterparts tomorrow to again to ratify the decision of, of EU leaders tonight and that will include a number of sanctions, financial, trade, exports, Briefly, transport, but travel. How, how can, if you're in Crimea at the moment and you're in uh, Crimea that has been occupied by Russia and since that has happened we have continued to take billions and billions and billions into our financial system. Now which do you think you take more seriously? Vladimir Putin. Hitting him on this are people writing down words in the European Parliament and not actually following through on them then. Which do you think he'd take more seriously? No one, I think, genuinely thought he was going to do this. But we all agree now, now that he's done it, he is wrong. So what can we do better? So I could do better, yeah, obviously. Okay. What in ye could European do better... Parliament? No, let me finish. What ye could do better is immediately send the signal out that you're not bloody well welcome here with your money. It wasn't got in very nice ways. People probably died in the acquisition of some of that money. So get the hell out of here with it. We need to do that now. Because... That's what they take okay, serious. Okay. And likewise, we need Boris Johnson to tell Roman Abramovich to get the hell out of the UK. And we need to so challenge to that, that too. Just to answer just that, from a European Parliament point of view, your votes in the European Parliament are very important. They send a signal in relation to protecting the likes of Ukraine. What we are doing, it wasn't Irish, important enough to Ireland, follow up on the SWIFT system, Ireland, which they voted for. We're doing that, that now as part of a European... As a part, if you can let me, you had a lovely run there enough I can just answer the question we as part of a unilateral not a unilateral as part of the EU bloc we're now looking at sanctions which will include financial sanctions uh, tr uh, we're freezing assets around transport around aviation around energy it there's going to be a whole suite why of sanctions Swift? that that is right. still on the table we that why is still not though I are want you to know why meeting tonight Let, are you I'm, I'm meeting asking tonight? you why not I'm you're explaining you there, so, I, I, so just want to, I just want to bring in a little bit of what the thorns had to say in the door today about and um, the impact this is going to have on the cost of living here I don't believe uh, food security or food shortages is going to be a problem in Ireland anyway um, but uh, if uh, what's happening with energy prices continues, if what is happening in Russia and Ukraine unfolds, um, there is a real probability that the price of food will go up uh, here in Ireland and in Western Europe. We've benefited from uh, cheap food for a very long time, uh, and I think the price of food is going to go up. Uh, the question is, how do we deal with that? Okay, forewarning on that. We, we sort of knew this was going to happen, really, Kevin. And politically, how is that going to be managed now? It's going to be difficult because since COVID has not ended, but we've all moved on from it anyway, the cost of living has become the topic du jour in politics. And this is going to ensure that that remains at the top of the political agenda now for presumably the rest of this year, probably into next year, because while obviously we're not getting gas directly from Russia, if supplies are disrupted around Europe, it will ultimately get to us. Uh, and that knock-on will probably come in about six months' time. So as we hit, not now, you won't see the 
the prices go up next week if you're filling your tank or whatever, but you will see it in coming into next winter. Um, so that we can pretty much bank that in already. Then you have the issues around grain and wheat, fertiliser, as, as Ming said. Um, there is lots of ways this is going to cost us money before we even get into SWIFT or the financial impact of that money that's in the IFSC. So it's a strange thing. We, we won't be fighting this war as such, but I think people do need to realise and have their eyes open to the fact that it is going to hurt us financially, not physically in the way it's going to hurt the people in Ukraine, but it is going to... We, we have a price to pay if we say that we stand with the people in Ukraine. And clearly energy being used as a weapon at the centre of all of this, Jared. Yes, and I mean, our economic plan post-COVID is to subsidise rising costs to protect people against the cost of living with borrowed money. Now, those subsidies based on borrowed money to chase inflation is very foolish economically. Now, we're at the very moment when the Tornish has told us in the doll today, there will be a further spurt to inflation on the back of the effects of this war. In addition to that, Claire, we have real security issues in this country. And we haven't discussed that. Uh, we have pipelines and we have cables going all over the world. So we have platform major American interests in this country. We are vulnerable to attack in cyberspace and there are state-sponsored and state-tolerated organisations ready and willing to do that and we know that because our HSE was disabled. Yeah, just briefly back to what you said there about you know the measures that were introduced by government and the, the energy credit and mm -hmm. all of that. Are you saying you know that that uh, shouldn't have happened and that any additional measures should not come our way either? Of course because the borrowed money that will be paid back with interest to provide subsidies to fight inflation is daft, stupid economics right. that will ultimately be borne by people who are least able to pay because that is the net cost of borrowing, which is always future taxation or diminished provision of services. OK, well, people watching at home may disagree with that if they're feeling the pinch um, with paying those bills right now. We'll have to leave it there. We will be keeping a close eye on the situation on the ground. Lots more after the break. We'll take a look at the biggest news stories of the week. Stay with us. Been a busy week of news. Let's take a look back with our panel, Jared Howland, Kevin Doyle and Luke Ming Flanagan. Um, we're going to start off with a row. Of course, that heated dull exchange between Micheál Martin and Mary Lou MacDonald. Um, it originally broke out over housing. Take a look. I don't have the scope to recount the corruption, the corrupted nature of your relationship with the people that I refer to. Your part, corrupted public life in this republic for well on 40 years. You corrupted the moral code of our country and our society by the murder and mayhem that you perpetrated. You also support the undermining of women pathetic. who were raped by IRA volunteers you and your party covered it up. You can wave all you like. Now, Kevin, we knew they didn't have a good relationship, but this brings it to a new low, doesn't it? It really does. It's, it's funny because Micheál Martin in, in opposition used to always try and be the statesman who didn't engage in punch and duty. He, he used to talk quite a lot about how he hated punch and duty politics and he has allowed himself to be dragged into it big time with Mary Lou Macdonald. They, they've kind of become this, this weekly appointment spat and it's kind of the same one over and over again because like if you watch that, like you'd have no idea it was about housing for a start, which is, you know, one of the biggest crisis facing the government, the doll, and 
Mary Lee MacDonald is throwing out Ansbacker and Galway Tent and Micheál Martin is throwing out Murder and Mayhem and so they're all harking back. So Sinn Féin are saying deal with the present, don't be harking back, but they're simultaneously harking back themselves to Fianna Fáil of, uh, I, I guess you could call yeah. it a different era now. So it's, it's all I mean, pointless. is it all a play for the media, though? Like, we're well, playing, exactly the, what we're it playing is, the clip, like, and we played it last night. It is gaining a bit of traction. I mean, from a Fianna Fáil point of view, Jared, do you think, you know, is this uh, in danger of you know, major backlash for them? Because, we, you know, we keep hearing this and people are now saying, you know what, we're sick of it? Or is it them driving their point home and um, with their eyes on an election? Well, I assisted as a former Taoiseach for eight years preparing for leaders' questions. And with rare exceptions, when there was a very odd day or issue when something really strong had to be said, the overwhelming objective was that this would be so matter-of-fact, nobody like you, Claire, and us would be talking about it on television later that day. The fact that we are talking about it means uh, that the opposition is being platformed. Because in the Dáil Chamber, the, the government basically has most of the platforms mm -hmm. most of the time. The leaders' questions and other opportunities are a real necessity uh, for oxygen for opposition parties. Uh, Micheál Martin, in hitting back strongly, uh, is making a point. I presume it's energising... I suppose not answering the question either. I presume it energises his followers. However, he's platforming Sinn Féin, and I cannot see how they're not but going to be... Part of that, though, is a reaction. Just bring in on this. The, 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 it was said here it was meant to be about housing, and we wouldn't know it. Mary Lou introduced the question about housing. Micheál Martin dragged it in another direction. And the idea that this is anything new is, to me, is a bit of a mystery. I got to do leaders' questions on a few occasions. On one occasion, it was about a very serious matter, about someone going to GSOC, about allegations of drug dealing within the Garda Síochána. Rather than deal directly with it, Andy Kenny insinuated that I was a drug dealer. Pierce Doherty had to get him to apologise afterwards. I didn't bother because it was a waste of time. And rather talk about and than talking about the substantive issue, the government, yet again at the time, managed to create mayhem and it never got discussed. This went on as long as I was in, in Dáil Éireann. And flawed and all as the European Parliament is, I tell you, it works better than that system there. And I, I have to now, say, you, I'm not sorry to be gone like from it. You like a good old quote and a good old ding-dong yes, in the Dáil yourself. If it, if, I mean, if it helps the situation. This did not help the situation. She spoke about housing. How much more of an important issue? Could he not just address it? And there's a reason why he couldn't address it because he their party has failed miserably at solving it so rather than talk about something that you have miserably failed at he created a diversion and he spoke about other issues obviously very important issues but mm -hmm. if you are homeless or you're struggling to buy a house you just despair watching that you could say maybe Mary Lou MacDonald shouldn't have come back as forcefully but I, I'll give her this there's one thing that always amazed me about her in the doll and when I got up and I'd speak and there'd be people heckling me, I'll be honest with you, it puts me off. But when she gets up to speak and people heckle her, it's a bit like, it reminds me of one of those Godzilla films where, where they hold on to the electric I'm not wires. Sure what you're going to and say, the higher really. the energy, the better she got. So the idea that Michal Martin is going to take on and defeat Sinn Fein with those tactics is it's delusional. Oh, and they will just go further down in the polls. Okay, I want it's not to... new, though. Yeah.
Uh, and, and you're right, it is not. Um, let's talk about um, Phil Hogan, the former EU commissioner, has hinted he will seek compensation from the European Commission following the loss of his job. It was in an interview he gave with the Liberation uh, newspaper, a French newspaper. Uh, your thoughts on this, Kevin? Of course, it comes off the back of you know, the fallout from the Gulfgate event, um, uh, which we, of course, it, was it, was, it was in court, it was dis dismissed, found not to have broken COVID rules there. Um, but he's really unhappy about all of this, isn't he? And, and considering well, legal action now. If, if I'm honest, Claire, my immediate reaction to that idea was, I really hope he does, because I would love to see that case, to see how it would play out. Let's be honest, he was forced. I, we all knew at the time, everyone writing about it, I'm sure everyone in Brussels knew at the time that Phil Hogan did not wake up that morning and think, do you know what, for the good of the European Commission and the good of the Irish government, uh, I better step away and resign. So he was forced to resign. So that's where his case would go, but it would be a fascinating case to see how he would argue it. And I think everybody accepts that it wasn't just about his attendance at Golfgate, it was around everything that happened exactly. in that period that Jared, he was back think, in Ireland. Do you think he has a case? I doubt it. Um, let's see if he takes it, but politicians, their advisors, those political jobs you serve at pleasure. Uh, that's my understanding. It's a fundamental principle, um, and uh, the pleasure ran out and it was over. You don't think he should have lost his job? I believe it's great loss to Ireland. I do believe there's a difference between the court of public opinion and the court of law, and I do believe that that blind wall of fury that chased people out of their jobs. Uh, you know, there's a lesson I to be learned. Part of his problem, though, Jared, was that I think in this. Don't know about you, Ming, but sometimes when, when, when politicians go off to Brussels and abroad, I think Phil missed the public mood. I think he was way too slow to apologise and he got behind I, I it. For, right some, that, for, some, reason, for some reason, he wants to focus on Golfgate. To me, it's about the 14-day quarantine that he did not stick by when he came into the country. And it was mentioned that he was missed missed by Ireland. He is not missed. I'm no fan of Mairead McGuinness, but I think she would do a better job as a commissioner from Ireland. From the point of view on it, that I'm entitled to that point of view when I was elected uh, on, on many of those points of view. Role. But the idea that he is missed as a commissioner for Ireland, to me, is rubbish. And if he had ended up, as some people were pushing for at one yeah. stage, to become the agriculture commissioner again, the gains that the small farmers got on convergence wouldn't have happened. And he would have made life difficult right. for anyone who fought that. So for me, I'm delighted he's gone and he has proved not to be a loss. We don't miss him one jot. Kick a man while he's down. He's I not down yet. I miss <laughs> Phil. <laughs> okay, there we have to leave it. Uh, we didn't even get to talk about the mask uh, mandate being lifted, but the, there you have it. Ming, uh, that's enough for now, and that's it from us. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning. But from all the late team here, good night. Take care. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.